0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Breathe Motivation. My name is Anthony Hester. I'm the host and founder of Breathe Motivation. I'm so excited to be here today. We've got a special guest. His name is Wesley Chapman. You may have seen him give his TED Talk on bio-worth and self-worth. And if you haven't, go check it out. But today we have him as our guest on Breathe Motivation. He began his life under some difficult circumstances, but overcame them and decided that he was going to help others put the victim to bed, and wake the hero instead. So, Wesley, thank you so much for joining us today on Breathe Motivation. So honored to have you here today.
1: Hey, thanks, man. And um, I've heard your podcast is doing well, so congrats to you. Thank you so much. So could
0: you give us a little bit about your background so you know, my audience really knows who you are
1: and where you came from? Well, that's a loaded question for sure. Um, I'll try to kind of give everybody the uh, <laughs> the synopsis uh, of the entire situation a little bit. But my childhood was, in a word, traumatic, um, and not in, you know, not to belittle the word traumatic either. In in understanding its true true meaning and velocity of of just how much my little body endured from the very very beginning, uh, even before I. Came onto the planet, you know, while I was in my mother's womb, there were things that were happening in my environment with my parents that were very toxic. They were making choices that probably weren't the best for, you know, raising a small child. And that led to many hospital visits and many things going on very early in my childhood. And Before the age of one, I was diagnosed with something known as failure to thrive. And for those of you that aren't familiar with what that is, it's uh, basically a human being's inability to be getting their basic necessities for survival. So cleanliness, nutrition, love, love, I mean, just, just the basics that is uh what makes up you know being a human being, and so doctors and people around them, my parents were telling them regularly, you know, you've got to kind of change change your ways and and work uh, work on all of that stuff that that uh, they were not doing properly. And my father's response was that he left. And so before the age of one years old, my mother um was alone with two of us now. She had given birth to my younger younger brother, and my father was was gone. And so, out of desperation um, and just survival, she remarried. And the man that she remarried was was an evil man, and I don't love using that word, but there's really no other way to describe it. He he, uh, he would do things to us that, as I said, were were very very abusive and, and traumatic and we endured all types of abuse everything from physical uh, and and emotional and sexual abuse and it that that was definitely uh, the building blocks for the rest of my life uh, for obvious reasons but there are so many stories within just that part of my life that we could obviously talk about but the the part that was very interesting was that I had this this core identity this this piece of me that came down you know from whatever you want to believe but was just part of me when i came here to this planet and that piece of my core is my unwillingness to see injustice being done and not say something about it I'm a very vocal person, which now does great for what I do. But even at a very young age, I was very vocal, except I didn't have the right ways of expression. I didn't have the right language skills, all that fun stuff. But I would throw fits like you could not believe. You couldn't take me into a grocery store without me knocking down everything on the shelves that I could get my little hands on. And obviously, looking back now and understanding what I was going through, everybody realizes that you know the the entire thing um the entire thing comes down to i was in pain and i was trying to get people to to see that and he, and to hear my side of the story and to help me and get me out of the situation and all the different elements that were you know that are a part of that and so this was the this was what i was doing was throwing these fits and screaming and what that led to was my mother taking me to uh, to you know be worked with thinking that i was this problem child a child that had things going on that, you know, were were not what the environment was. You know, there was a lot of denial in my family. And so I was taken in and I was labeled with all kinds of different things. I was put on medications. I was told that, you know, I probably had some byproducts of my father and mother's decisions of while I was in the womb of things that they were putting into their body. And that was about the extent of it. Um, but what became kind of this negative situation of people not listening to me actually ended up becoming the saving grace because I would go into these doctors visits every couple of weeks and play therapy and different things and trying different environments and different elements to see if I would, you know, stabilize. And eventually my mother just got tired of it. And at the age of six and a half, she left. And so by seven years old, both my biological mother and father were out of my life. And I began a journey of massive, you know, uh, abandonment and, and abuse, you know, recovery. And it took many, many years. And in fact, abuse was part of my life until the age of 17 years old. I was in and out of different places, different environments. And when I finally got into what would be my forever home, there was still abuse happening there. So, and, and again, like I said, we could talk for hours about my story and where I've come from. But all of this abuse was happening. All of these things were going on. And my life was was basically just falling apart before it ever began. And when I got into my teens, it became incredibly difficult to have relationships, to have friends, to go to school. I had so many different emotional struggles that I was going through. That my day to day life was not a priority. My struggles were a priority. And so I was, you know, I was bullied. I was teased. I went through all kinds of different things. I was on medications every day of my life. And these medications were taking a toll on my internal organs. These medications were taking a toll on my personality. They were numbing who I really was. I mean, there were just all of these things that were happening. And at about 16, 16 years old, I had lived every day of my life that I can remember wanting to die. In fact, if you read my journal entries, almost every day I wrote, I just want to die. I tried um, attempting, or excuse me, I attempted suicide 12 different times before my 16th birthday, and those are the documented times. There were many, many times that I had a, you know, a, p- a bottle of pills in my hand or a knife or some type of object that I was going to end it. But those were the times that, you know, I actually took took some type of action on that. So this was it. This was life. And at 16, with my organs stressed and everything happening, I became very ill. Um, I became, you know, very weak. And these, these doctors that had promised me that these little pills were going to save my life and make everything better, these doctors were now telling me that these little pills were you know, raving havoc on my body and that we were going to have to try a new assortment of little pills. And in my book, I call them candies. And they said, you know, if you don't try something new, if we don't change these up, uh, you have a a high likelihood of your body failing, of organs in your body failing. And that was the moment that, for whatever reason, triggered a hormonal 16-year-old teenage boy to make a teenage, teenage-esque teenage decision. And that teenage-esque decision was that I was not going to allow anybody to kill me, uh, even though I wanted to die. I didn't want anybody or anything that I wasn't in control of to take that last little bit of power I had left in my existence away from me. And it was that thought that propelled me into beginning my journey of really taking control of my life, of really taking my my life to the next level, and that's when I made certain decisions in my life, and I made certain commitments uh, to myself and to God, and I went down a path that has now led me to where I am today. So, that's the fastest, quickest way to kind of throw everything in. There's so many stories, and there's so many things, and I may have to go back and clarify certain things based on questions and and what we decided to talk about today, but. It by no means was you know do I belittle my childhood or do I belittle any of the words, but at the same time, I've learned that we spend way too much time in our stories. We spend way too much time in our land of victims, victimization, and we we need to stop that. And it's it really is something we can control. While we cannot control what happens in life, while we cannot control what other people do, while we cannot save anyone else, we can control how we react to situations. We can really focus on our potential and on our future. And that really was you know, the mind shift that happened for me you know, almost 20 plus years ago now. And it's led to a journey that's just been massively rewarding.
0: Thank you so much for sharing your story. I can't imagine going through that. To see you decide to to get past all of this and to help others is just truly extraordinary. And man, I, I I mean, I can't even imagine going through what you did. But to see someone at this level decide to, you know, really get past you know a their circumstances and help other people, man, that just thank you so much. No, thank
1: you, thank you for asking.
0: So at 16, you decided that enough is enough. Uh, What would you tell others who are struggling with their past? Uh, what, What would you say to them to really help them come to terms with the struggle and just move forward?
1: Well, first and foremost, I teach something called The Elmo Effect. And it's, uh, you know, for a lack of for a lack of going into a, a you know, a 10 page thesis on the brain, the, the basics of the Elmo effect are is that we do not, we as human beings, and and this is why if we could understand empathy uh, to its true meaning, not just to its, you know, word, word based way that we throw it out there. But if we could truly understand what empathy is and being empathetic, then our society would be much healthier. But. We're fighting against biology because the brain only understands the pain in which it's endured. So while my story may seem traumatic, and you may have sympathy, um, unless you've gone through exactly what I've gone through, you it's very hard for you to be empathetic. And I'm not attacking. I'm just you know just letting you know how the how the mind works a little bit. And and why I bring that up is because what. What's relevant to you, the listener, the person listening right now, isn't that you can relate to my story or you can't relate to my story. It's that you, in, in your own way, have had things happen to you that are traumatic. You, in your own way, have had things that have happened to you that are affecting you. And that's totally acceptable and that's totally, you know, uh, real. And one thing that happens, and I've learned this over the last, you know, 10 years of sharing my story, is that people will t- hear my story. And then they'll immediately go into this kind of thought process of, well, gosh, man, I, my life was never that bad. And so I should be you know, grateful or I should be so much more successful uh, than I am because I didn't have to overcome that or I shouldn't be complaining about what I'm dealing with because I didn't have to go through that. Listen, I've sat down with thousands of people and some people have more horrific stories than I do. And and it's not about comparison. It's not about the level of trauma. It's not about the level of the story. The brain operates on a what it knows basis. Um, and until we're all connected to you know to each other's brains, we only understand and are empathetic towards what we have what we've experienced. I have never broken a, a bone in my body, you know, knock on wood. i've I've just never had that experience. I've torn ligaments. I've destroyed both my knees. I've gone through a lot of other very painful things physically but i've never had a broken bone i've never served in the military i've never seen that type of of trauma and that type of of negativity and so that doesn't mean that what my life represented in the trauma i went through isn't relevant so i want everyone first and foremost to realize that the first thing you have to understand about trauma is that all of us have experienced it to some level and we only can comprehend that level in which we've experienced it in. And, And that's why I'm very confident in saying that with that knowledge, all of us spend way too much time in our trauma, All of us spend way too much time looking for that motivational piece that's going to pull us out of that trauma or that motivational piece that's going to change our lives. And in the reality of everything, and to your question, the way that we change our lives, the way that we create success, the way that we take things to the next level is by simply allowing ourselves to have the conversation of honesty of putting the victim to bed, waking the hero up and said, which you mentioned in the intro of the podcast interview, which has become a mantra of mine, which has become a brand, which has become all these different things. But the the core essence behind it is that you take ownership and responsibility. I'm not saying you have to take responsibility for the trauma in your life. I'm not saying that, you know, I 100% took responsibility for being molested. That's not what I'm saying. What I took responsibility very specifically to me is I took responsibility for the moments after the incident, from the moments after those things happened, I had control of the reaction. And there are some natural reactions, obviously. Everything that I went through in my young, you know, young childhood and the days of not wanting to be alive and all of these situations. I look back now and think, wow, I made that choice. What if I would have at one out of the 12 attempts? what if one of them would have been successful? I wouldn't be on this podcast right now. I wouldn't have impacted the millions of lives. I wouldn't have heard the thousands of stories. I wouldn't have seen, you know, children go from one spectrum to another. Families go from breaking apart to staying together. There's so many, I wouldn't have my children, which is the most, that in itself is the greatest success in my entire life. And so all these things would not have happened. And I was in total control of that. Now I can very easily point the blame to, you know, said stepfather, and I can easily point the blame to said system, and I can easily start pointing fingers. But at the end of the day, this is my life. This is my one life. And it's up to me to do what I need to do to control that life. And the first thing that all of us have to realize is that our pain is real. It really exists. It's irrelevant what level of pain, you know, based on other people's judgments of pain. You have experienced pain. It's real. It exists. I validate, I honor that. But now it's time to move past that. It's time to stop looking for the miracle pill. It's time to stop looking for the next quote or the next whatever that's going to you know, change this or change that. What it's time to do is for you to take ownership of your actions, to take ownership and responsibility of your decisions. And if you're currently in an abusive situation, this is a completely different conversation. But if you're standing there out of a situation, looking at your life, trying to move forward, but you keep pulling yourself back in and it, it doesn't even be, mean that you're consciously pulling yourself back in there could be sub conscious actions that you're doing that are repeating the patterns of your victimization. And that's, that gets a little hairy because some of us don't even know what those are. you know. And that's why I've created the coaching programs I've created. That's why I've created the systems that I've created is to help people identify what these destructive loops are because we all have them. We all have destructive loops based on our subconscious behavior, based on our subconscious development between the ages of zero to six. We all have certain things that we have to work 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 against, if you will. But once we understand what they are, many of them can become massively powerful assets in our lives. Many of them become core pieces of our personality, and we're just adjusting for survival. And so, none of that can happen, though, until you take ownership and responsibility for your actions. And that's the key. That's what starts changing the trajectory of life, is ownership. Not the secret, not the next conference, not this or that. Like, it's just, that's just never going to work. I'm sorry. I'm not trying, I'm not belittling any of that content. I'm just saying none of that is going to amount to anything until you get so brutally honest. And I'm not talking honest like, you know, mom, I stole the cookie out of the cookie jar. Honest. I'm talking brutally, brutally honest with yourself in those vulnerable moments when it's just you in the mirror, when it's just you and your thoughts going to sleep. Those are the times when you're programming your reactions to life. Those are the moments that you have to take ownership and responsibility for. Those quiet thoughts inside of your mind that are stopping you from achieving something or that are allowing you to create excuses for the reasons as to why you're not doing something. And every single person listening to this podcast right now has those things. Every... You just... If you say, oh, no, I got it, then then you're lying. Even I have to constantly be using these systems every single day of my life to combat certain scenarios in life that don't even have to do with my childhood or my past. It's just life. But when we understand how to break those cycles, when we understand what's happening, when we understand our body and mind connection, when we understand these things, then we can have great power on this planet and do amazing things to share who we are as individuals on this earth. But until we take that ownership, until we take that that moment of honesty and really make it and really work on those things, not everything else is just a band-aid. Everything else is just a pretty dress. You know, everything else is just is just a surface a surface level disguise. and and it's difficult. Because people don't necessarily want to go internal. They want to find an external solution for their problems, or they want to find an external source for happiness. But none of that works. Absolutely none of it is a long-term solution.
0: Man, that really touches home with me. Uh, over the, some years, I had dealt with anxiety and depression, and at some point, I told myself, I have to take ownership of my life and take control. Now, many people fear you know, change. So what is the first step? Um, that you think to help people overcome fear and obstacles in their mind.
1: You know, if if you've been struggling this with with this for a long time, or, or just, or just even recently have had a awakening that you are struggling, you know, whatever it might be. My my recommendation for you is to, is to do two things. Number one, get a piece of paper or several and a pen, not a pencil you know, and there's no computer, there's no cell phone, there's no technology involved in this. There's the old fashioned pen and paper. And go write out your story. Go somewhere that that is calming for you. Some people find peace at the ocean. Some, you know, I find it in the woods. Uh, you may find it at a rock. You may find it at Starbucks. I mean, everybody has that place where they feel safe and grounded and and they feel like they they're, you know, in a comfortable place. So find that place for you and then write your story. And don't worry, this isn't something you're going to share with anyone, this isn't something that's going to be, I mean, you could burn it afterwards, you could rip it up, you could do whatever you want with it, this isn't for anybody else, this is for you. Start with your earliest memory, and begin writing your story, begin writing things out, and don't don't edit it, don't worry about grammar, Don't nothing, just write. And, you know, a fun trick can even be if you're right-handed, start when you're writing about your childhood, write in your left hand and vice versa. It does some different things with the, the mind-body connection. But the 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 power of writing is totally misun, mis... Let me try to think of the word underused, I guess is probably the best simplistic way of saying it. We, under, we are underusing the power of writing. We talk a lot about journal entry and about all that stuff. But one of the things that's missing is, is that journal entries... is Uh, very powerful, but they need to be handwritten. There's there's tons of science behind the connection there. And computers are kind of taking that away from us a little bit. But what they're really doing is it's very easy to edit. When you're writing and you're free flow writing something, sometimes you'll start putting things down on paper that you're not comfortable saying out loud. If you're doing it on a computer, you can hit the backspace button pretty easily. So that's the first thing I would recommend everybody go do. Write your story. Write it out. Let it out. Let every piece of it out. Let the emotions out, the laughter, the tears, the anger, the frustration, the anxiety. Let every emotion come and just drop it all on paper. When you're done with that, self-analyze. Were you honest? Were you true? Are you connected to what's happening? Were there things that surprised you? Were there memories that came up? Circle those things. Uh, Highlight those things. You know, just really focus a little bit. Take some time, take some energy on understanding those things just a little bit more and if you're serious about understanding this stuff if you're serious about taking control if you're serious about you know owning that responsibility at this point after you've written everything out you're probably going to need someone Somebody who you trust, somebody who is an expert or who is trained or who, you know, I don't care, fill in the blank. I'm not saying go talk to your spouse or your best friend or, you know, your cousin or your business partner. You need to find somebody that you can express some of these these pieces with. And have that person there to help you put that stuff to bed, help you to analyze those things, to reverse engineer why certain things are happening. I can give you like a quick example. I had a client who came to me and and signed up for one of my coaching packages and was doing well in life, actually really well in his in his late twenties, and you know he's in the top one percent, but he didn't feel like it was enough. He didn't feel like he was creating enough, that he was enough. A really handsome guy, you know, chiseled, fitness, all that different stuff, has all on the external view, life picture, people looking in on him everything seems to be going great. But internally, he was struggling. Internally, he was going through things. So I had him do that exercise. And and then when we were done, we went through together and we I started questioning him on certain things that he had written down. And we started like analyzing things. And what we'd found, is a subconscious pattern that had been instilled into his brain because of his childhood. He wasn't abused, he didn't have any abuse, he didn't have anything like that going on, but what what was very interesting was the asset that he had used to get himself to the position where he was at was actually handicapping him because he had kind of reached this threshold and what that was was When he was younger, his father was in the military, lots of instability going from place to place, moving around, doing all these different things. And what that created is uncertainty in his mind. And he was so determined to create wealth and to create stability because of that. So that was one layer. But the really interesting layer was is that the identity issue this not feeling like he was enough, not feeling like he could be enough. So he had this moving around in the military. His dad was successful, but was also kind of free with his money. And so he had this childhood where he was bouncing around and they didn't always have a lot of money. So he was trying to create more stability, more security around money for himself. But the identity stuff, <coughs> excuse me, the the personal like I'm not enough stuff, when he was younger, he was overweight he was a bigger boy. He was going through things. So he had actually decided to take fitness and control his life, do all these things. So seemingly very, very positive, but he had never really honed in on that identity of him as a person. He had never really honed in on anything. And his body was in in his teenage years was made fun of, and he was tormented and bullied and teased. And then his body in his, you know, uh, college years was actually used as that was it. Like he was chiseled, he looked good, you know, girls would date him just because of his body and like, and he had issues and he had things going along that stemmed in there. And this not feeling enough thing was because he never really just got comfortable with who he was. Now he's healthy and he's he's smart with his body and all those things. And, and there were some, you know, unhealthy decisions he was making younger. So there was a lot of positivity there. But the negativity there was in the fact that he had never really identified some of his own self-esteem things, some of his own patterns that that he had just covered them up. He just covered them up with the gym. And and listen, I'm using a male example because we don't really talk a lot about that. I can tell you about the 200 plus girls that I've worked with, women that I've worked with who use breast augmentation and butt lifts and tummy tucks and you know nose jobs to do the exact same thing. And so, But this is I've had, you know, several men who are in the same situation. So no trauma, no like, oh, my gosh, my dad beat me. My mom was horrific. None of that. But just self-identity issues combined with environmental issues. We do not spend enough time talking about zero to six. Zero to six is so freaking critical in our development. It is so intense insanely, insanely important for us to understand what happened during um, zero to six years old in our lives, because that's when the subconscious is completely developed that's when we're developing our subconscious. So things that are happening around us, listen, our brains are sponges, every single one of them. They are putting in so much data and bringing in so much content and it's analyzing it and it's compartmentalizing it and it's putting in situations and you're building neural pathways on how to react to situations and how to handle situations. So here's this gentleman who's had this instability, this craziness, this dad who's got money but spent it freely. And then here he is in his twenties and he's trying to create all this money and create all this wealth. He makes every decision based on the financial, not on what he loves to do. So that's creating its own problem. And then he's got these self, I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. All these different things. And when we tear it all down, it's just understanding these things that happened, these Elmo's that happened in his life and by understanding those now he's able to put some of that stuff to bed really co- cope with it start seeing decisions he's making and completely rewriting his neural pathways on a scientific level literally rewriting the ways in which his brain handles input information and then ex- and then what the what the uh, experience is going to be and how the body handles and reacts to the situation and it, that to me is the most rewarding thing Two months into working with him, he now completely understands why he reacts to certain situations, understands exactly where to go. He's increasing his trajectory in life. He's now understanding that his life doesn't have to revolve around decisions around money. It can revolve around decisions of what he loves to do. He's now understanding that he can celebrate who he is and what he's become instead of beating himself up and, and not understanding why he's not good enough. I mean, all these miraculous things happen when you understand certain things that have happened to you, and then you start using your power in rewriting the way your brain handles situations, and and there you go. Is it easy? No. Does it happen overnight? No. Did it happen quickly to identify these situations in this case study? Of course it did. Is it going to take months and months, maybe years of rewriting conscious thought to To change the subconscious behavior? Of course it is. Do people mask that with alcohol and drugs and caffeine and sugars and all? Yes, they do. Because it takes a lot of hard work to rewrite the synapse of the brain. It takes a lot of hard work to understand certain things. It takes a lot of patience to actually own your shit rather than blaming somebody else for it. I mean, these things are not easy. This stuff is not simple, and it's why the conferences keep filling up. It's why the guys from stage keep and gals from stage keep, cheer, you know, making things that everybody cheers for, like you deserve it or draw a line and and pick which sides you want. Like all this stuff is great and motivation is awesome, except it doesn't do anything. Like, and I and I know your podcast, and I'm not you know going against the the name of the podcast. I'm just saying. That people need to understand that true change comes from taking action. Now, do you, do you need those pick you up moments? Do you need that theme song? Do you, of course, we all do. Of course, those are things. But if you're looking at it as the end all, be all, the solution for all, then you're never going to be satisfied. You will never be satisfied and you will constantly be hungry and you will constantly be fighting and you will constantly never have enough because you're not really fixing or fulfilling anything that needs to be taken care of and so those are that's just there's a case study of how it works and there's two simple things to do to make it happen we're communal beings while we need to take responsibility and own our shit we do need to have the support unit around us but i i just i can't emphasize enough, please put people around you that know what they're doing. Like your best friend, while they're probably awesome and great to listen to your venting or you guys have a great time going out to the bars or whatever you do with that person, if they're not trained in psychology, if they're not trained in understanding how the brain works, if they're not trained in these things, it can be just as damaging for you. So I just implore you that if you're gonna go find a mentor, if you're gonna go work with somebody, please find somebody who knows what they're doing and has a really powerful track record and knows knows how to handle these conversations.
0: Wow. That was a lot lot of great knowledge. I had to take my own pen and paper and start taking notes myself. So I I mean that pen and paper exercise is something that I, I have done myself. So uh, with these studies, I remember you talking during your Ted talk. uh, You talked about bio worth and self worth. Is that uh, some of the things that you, you taught this gentleman and you're, really help him realize what he was doing?
1: Yes, this so you're referencing my TED talk on bioworth and and uh, I'm actually looking to give another TED talk on the circle of validation because it kind of ties into the bioworth, but took a little bit too much time to put both into one one TED talk. But um we as a we as a society, and I'm speaking in the United States. So if you're listening outside of this, it may not directly apply to you, but I have a feeling it does to some level. It's becoming more global uh, than it should. But we don't understand validation and specifically self-validation. We have literally lost the art of being able to, for lack of a better word, pat ourselves on the back. That has become something that is, I mean, your generation and the generation behind you, definitely my children's generation. Does not like that the world of just being bored, the world of just having to, you know, get something done and inside of yourself say, Wow, I did that. That's a that's go go me, right? Job well done, me. That is that is leaving our planet. And it's very, very dangerous. Because we put our validation response, we put that need to be validated out into other people's hands, a.k.a. we give away our power, a.k.a. we giving away our developmental psychological foundation for success. You know, we all can remember some moment in our lives that we wanted a parent or a loved one to really notice something that we did. And and that is part of... of of human development. However, we can also probably remember something in our lives, some time in our lives where we built something and we were super proud of it and we loved it. And we would go to our mom and say, look what I built. I love it. It's amazing. Or dad, whatever, fill in the blank. And they would give a loving response and they would say, oh my gosh, I love it. That's so amazing. Good on you. That's a building block for the rest of your life seems so simple. It's a building block for the rest of your life. And now, now we have people taking that same thing, that same work, that same you know feeling, and they put it out in this thing called social media. They put it out there to the wolves, people that they don't know, people that they think are important, and they are demanding that that world to validate who they are. And in my TED Talk, I talked about working out, for example. You go to the gym, you work out, and you're done. And that was it. Like when I went to the gym and worked out in my younger days, you worked out at the gym, you were done. It didn't matter what you were wearing. It didn't matter what was going on. You worked out it was for you, maybe a couple of buddies, whatever, and then you left and, and it was over. Now you're seeing people posting photos staged photos of them working out in the perfect outfit or this or that half of the time they don't even have sweat on their bodies so did they really work out right they're seeking this validation they're worried about everybody else's opinion rather than just looking at themselves and saying i did a good job like this was on me i loved it i feel good this is amazing now and and i'm just using that as one example I mean, people, I see this in high schools all the time. I see this in elementary schools. Kids that are 9, 10, 11 years old that are posting their artwork on Instagram and saying, you know, check this out. And they're looking for more people to validate what's going on. However that world is so dangerous because you have the keyboard bullies you have the people who are willing and ready to attack at any given moment because they're themselves not not getting it field so we created this like insanely vicious cycle and what's happened is we've completely broken the validation loop What's happened is we've completely broken the way in which we build our self-worth. And when we break that validation loop, we start to tear apart our self-worth on a cellular level. We literally have reprogramming happening to our body on a cellular level based on our external experiences and reactions. That's been proven a hundred times over in science now. Thank goodness I've been preaching this for so long that now I'm glad there's science backing it. But we literally are rewriting our DNA. We are literally rewriting the way our bodies, or excuse me, our minds and our communication sensors are happening around our our worth by simply not understanding the importance of this validation loop. And especially at a very early age, but even now, how many of you do something because you're doing it just for you? I mean, just like be honest with yourselves. How many times do you do something in a given day that's just for you? If you can say five or six or seven or eight things a day, good on you. Like that's pretty awesome. Are, I, I challenge you. Are you being 100% honest? Are you living in the place because that's where you want to live? Are you doing the career because that's what you want to do? Are you doing the things with your loved one? Like what? look at every aspect of your life. Like, what things are you doing for you and what things are you doing for society and or to fit yourself in a box for somebody that you're, you know, that says they're in love with you, but then have all these like caveats, but, 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 or if, 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 ifs, right? Like, what's going on? And and we are seeing this happening where people don't know who they are, where people are latching on to wherever, whatever gets the most attention we're seeing people crying out for help in very disturbing ways in our society we're seeing people align themselves with hate at, at an alarming rate we're seeing people you know just doing things and hiding behind things that that are just so detrimental to the fi- framework and the fabric of a healthy society and and it's all because they don't understand how to take those moments of, solidar- of, of, of solidarity for themselves in creating just their own experience, not de- dependent on anyone else, like not dependent at all on anyone else. And it's it's very disheartening and it's very difficult to combat because there are so many positives with social media. Trust me, I use social media. I love its positives. But on our own psychological level, it can be so, so disabilitating. It can be so difficult for us to function on a day-to-day life. I mean, I can't even tell you. We do retreats and camps and all kinds of different things. I have stuff for adults and things for youth. And the first thing you'll learn if you ever experience any time with me is your your laptops aren't going to have an ability to be charged and your cell phones won't work. Like A, I live out in the middle of nowhere. You know, I live in a beautiful, beautiful uh, wooded area. And so if you come to our home retreats, you're not going to have service. And then B, whenever I run something, there may or may not be a cell phone jammer. And the reason for that is because I want people to connect with the human next to them. I want them to connect with the human called themselves. There is boredom. There's nothing wrong with being bored. Bored is when our minds actually have the ability to relax and to comprehend and to think and to process and to grow. Not the opposite, because the mind is protecting. You have to realize, the brain wants to protect itself. The brain is going to use the minimal amount of energy it possibly can. The brain does not want to be overloaded with data. It's looking for just a couple of things. Primarily, will that eat me or can I eat it? Like we are more, you know, we are more barbaric on a biological level than most people want to really talk about. Like our brains don't function at these high sophisticated levels of, of intelligence on, on their own. Some do there's, the anomalies, but for the most part, our brain is just trying to survive as long as it possibly can. And so it doesn't, it doesn't want to, you know, be overworked or go through these processes of of massive amounts of data information. And that's why, you know, so many people will say, I have my best ideas in the shower. I'm gonna tell you why. There's not a lot going on in the shower, right? It's just you and the soap. Like those are moments alone. So many people tell me when they come to think, I I just thought of things that I'd never thought of before. Well, yes, because you're allowing your mind to not have to just put all this information in. And here's the thing. If you aren't grounded in your own validation, if you aren't grounded in your own self-worth, if you don't really understand your inherent worth as a human being, when you get bombarded with data it becomes disabilitating. I mean, you're done. You can go in a comatose state and that's where you see people flipping through their phones. That's where you see people zoning out. That's why so many people are so freaking tired right now in our society. That's why coffee and caffeine and alcohol and sugars are at an all-time high because people are just tired of processing data and many of them are so bombarded with data telling them what's wrong with them and they have no foundation of validation and self-worth that they become overloaded they cannot understand they cannot handle the pain yes pain of the instagram accounts pain of not being enough pain of not having the you know fancy cars in their garage that pain becomes unbearable for so many people. And we are seeing it on statistical levels and especially with this beautiful generation of millennials who have so much at their fingertips and so much passion to help other people and so much desire to grow. We are seeing them be bombarded at such a high level that they, they're they morphing into living in their, pace, their parents' bedroom basements because they're just tired of trying to come compete or combat and it goes back to understanding have you validated yourself have you built yourself a foundation that can withstand this onslaught and are you doing things in your life for you or are you constantly doing things to keep up with somebody else or to keep up with you know some some depiction of what life is supposed to look like and feel like And we don't help ourselves by having the highest grossing Instagram campaigns on the planet be girls in bikinis. Like we don't help ourselves by that kind of cultural decision. And that's a choice. You know, those things are choices that we are making as a global society. We're not prioritizing what truly matters enough. And if we were just to tear down all the bullshit, and we were just to tear down everything and just allow people to really have vulnerable and honest conversations, we would see that certain things we put so much pressure on really don't mean anything. They don't mean anything at the end of the day, and in fact so many of us wish they didn't mean anything, even more than we already think they don't. Like we just wish that like everyone would just realize that we just want to be right? We just want to be a human being. We just want to live. We don't want to worry if we're going to get shot if we go to a concert. We're not, we don't want to worry if we're going to get poisoned by some company. We don't want to worry about if our water is polluted. We just want to live our lives. We just want to enjoy this world we live in. And unfortunately, that's not happening. And a lot of it has to do with understanding the economics behind it, but also the responsibility that you have to just be okay with being bored just be okay with only you knowing you did something amazing you know it's in my ted talk but i use this line all the time is that doing good service has always been a go to for professionals in the psychological you know space and psychology space to say to people, hey, you're not doing well and you're having a hard time. Hey, why don't you go help some other people? Soup at the the soup kitchen or volunteer at the Boys and Girls Club, whatever it is. That's always been a go-to. And it works, because when you get outside of yourself and you help others, then, you know, whatever. But I'll tell you why it works, is because you're doing something good, you're seeing a reaction, and you're building up your self-worth. It's a completely selfish thing that helps other people, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's another word that we've completely screwed up in our English language is selfishness. Another, another, another topic for another day. But what's so interesting now is that I, I pose this question to high schoolers all the time, and the reactions are pretty funny. I mean, they're, they're Kids will be laughing, and I guess funny is the wrong word. Funny in the moment, but disturbing in the long term. If you do a good deed and you don't post it on social media, was it still a good deed? And we can all sit and be like, "Well, of course it is. Is it? Is it? because how many times do you do the insta stories? How many times do you do the things? I mean you can go to my Instagram account you can go to my Facebook I hate posting when I go on school tours. I don't like posting about what we do. I used to have a camera guy following me everywhere because my you know my board members and everyone said you should document what you do because it's so revolution it's so you know amazing and it's so powerful and it's so like unique and we did that for like a year and it was so uncomfortable I absolutely hated it. Like, literally hated it. Not the camera guy. He was awesome. But I just hated the experience. I hated having to prove. I hated having to... That's not what it was about for me. But I'm just... I'm not saying I'm better than. I'm just saying I figured out that it just doesn't matter. Because I'm going to live my life... And I'm going to do what I do. And if I get recognized, then, you know, maybe that's cool. But I still don't really care. I get asked to do these podcast interviews. I'm humbled every time I do because I, I'm i just honestly living my life and living my life. The byproduct of it is all this other stuff. When I was 16 years old and wanting to die every single day of my life, all I wanted was to live. I didn't. That's it. When I was 26 and had healed and gone through all these processes and was taking the next step and was going to share my story, I didn't share my story to heal. I didn't get on stage to heal. I'd already done that on a one-to-one basis. I I, I never really even thought my story was that revolutionary or that crazy or that powerful or that you know life lessony. I I didn't know any of that. I had no clue. I was just doing it because it's what I needed to do so that I could live. And that mentality hasn't changed. It's just I'm here to live my life, and the only thing I've learned over the last you know, 10 plus years of doing this is that my story can help other people take ownership of their lives. My story can give them a little bit of push to try something new, but it's them that has to make the decision. I don't save anyone. I don't change anyone's lives. They do it, And and that validation loop was rebuilt and recreated between the ages of 16 and 20, I had to completely rebuild that. And I used building things, like literally building things to do that. I used my hands and built things just like we used to do back in the day, where we'd play with, I call it, you know the the bricks and mud ph- um, philosophy. Like we used to build things when we were kids, out of nothing, and we'd imagine that they were something grand. That's part of building this foundation, and we're losing that. Our imaginations are not being are not being used. I'm the generation that built the gaming world that we live in because we wanted to play games that were awesome and cool. And, you know, we didn't want to just play tank wars for the rest of our lives. So I'm part of, we're part of my generation is part of this problem that we've created of like you, I, in fact, I ask kids this all the time, like, when's the last time you used your imagination? I don't have to use my imagination. I can just go play fantasy five, or I can just go play this, or I can do this. And it's like, The imagination, the creation, the building, the thought process, that's all part of validation.
0: The things you have touched on, I know I have some opportunities with validation and processing myself. And uh, like you said, I think motivation comes from within. And my podcast gives people examples of how to grow and learn from experiences. And, you know, it all really comes down to action. My goal is to help as many people as possible find their purpose and passion. Uh, I truly appreciate all that you've shared with us today. Um, Where can people find you and learn more information about you and your projects?
1: Yeah. First and foremost, Google. I hear that works pretty well, um, which is crazy. I never thought you'd ever Google my name and it would mean anything. Um, but uh, that works. Um, but if you're looking for a direct, like to the source... Um, you know our youth program what we do for for youth is a human project so a is an apple humanproject.com so a humanproject.com is dedicated to our youth programs and what we're doing so if you're in a community that's it's hurting uh, if you're in a community that you feel your youth are just struggling and are not really uh, getting to their highest potential because of external forces check out a humanproject.com if you're looking at yourself and you want to create something and do something more I've just launched like literally three or four days ago launched a program called wake the hero um, it's a you know podcast that we're putting out there there's different things that we're putting together but wake we've got a Facebook group which literally like in 24 hours went from zero to I think oh, almost a thousand plus members which I'm super excited about we haven't even like officially launched it yet so that's fun um and then we've got a, a program called legion of heroes which is a for a lack of a better word you know a private community where we dive in daily on habit forming behaviors to put the victim to bed and wake the hero up instead and it's all based on you know Life and people that I've hung out with and conversations. And so there's a lot of different things there. And then you can find out about all the retreats we'll be doing and all the different things that, you know, that are always going on. So Wake the Hero is probably the best bet. Google if you want to watch videos. Somebody just informed me on a last interview that I, there's over 2,500 videos of me on the internet, which is just like mind blowing. I'm like, wow, I had no idea. Um, many of them are, are you know, Interviews and pieces and things like that, but um, there's I, I just want to give as much content as I possibly can. Even our Legions of Heroes is thirty dollars a month, so that's like if this isn't this isn't a money ploy. Like I've lived the money game. I've I've, be, I've been successful. I understand how that works. I understand money. I know its importance, but this I, I'm I'm past that part in life and really looking at it and saying it's just time. You know, and and if nothing more than for my daughter and my son, I just I want them to feel safe and the tragic events that have happened in the United States over the last few days. And 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 what's the most tragic about those types of events is they won't be the last. That's the most tragic is that we're not learning from these situations. And I'm this isn't I'm not talking about guns or bombs or or terrorism or or, uh, no, I'm talking about humanity I'm talking about just us understanding the importance of of living life. And as you said, dedicated my life. I've dedicated my life to living my life. And as a byproduct of living my life, I'm understanding more and more that there's lessons and there's things that can be shared with the world. My dedication is to my children. My dedication is to my family. I truly, truly want them to have a life I never did. And I was told at a very young age I'd never have a family and so my greatest accomplishment is them and my greatest legacy will be them and i've seen too many people spend too much time worried about the statue legacy or the you know iconic you know transformation of humanity legacy whatever you want to say and their families are crumbling behind them that is something i will not allow to happen and so it's just It's just what it is like. It's it's pretty laid back. It's pretty, you know, just let's just work together. Let's make this a better place. Let's understand we're in control. You know, there's no magic pill. There's no like three step program. I'm not into any of that. It doesn't work. If it worked, we wouldn't have the problems we had. If, you know, if Alcoholics Anonymous was like the end all be all to alcoholism, we wouldn't have alcoholism. Listen, there's things inside of there that work. There's things inside of there that are programmatically effective. And I've met many, many people who've gone through programs like that and have have been successful to a degree. And those things are there and they're powerful. I'm not putting them down. I'm just saying enough with the Band-Aids. Enough with the Band-Aids. Let's get to the root of the issue. Let's figure this out. Let's create a utopian society. And if, if you don't believe it can happen... I have, I don't even know how many brothers and sisters, 16 or 17 brothers and sisters. And I have this insane genealogy, this insane family tree of dysfunction. All these things going, and I'm not perfect. I've made my mistakes. I've done things not 100% effectively. But my children are living in a very stable scenario they are loved on a 360 they are they are exploring themselves they're working are they individuals yes could they make decisions sure could but are they seeing a healthy relationship between a between a man and a woman are they seeing you know a dad who works hard are they seeing a mother figure who works her butt off to love them are they seeing these things are they able yes and so what that is is proof that in a very short window of time we can change the trajectory of our planet. We can change the trajectory of our civilizations if we stop focusing on the band-aids and get real with ourselves and tear down all the hate and tear down all the, you know, all the click-through baits and all the all the rhetoric that we're seeing when situations happen and just get to the root of issues and start healing ourselves and start focusing on priorities and stop using things to mask our pain. You know, it's just it's it's over. It it needs to end. It's going to either biologically take care of itself. Biology will always win or we'll have a conscious awakening where we figure this out. I believe in humanity. I believe we can overcome anything we put our minds to. I believe that we are a communal society that can be utopitarian. I believe in these things because I've seen it. I've seen the transformations happen and I just urge you, whether you do absolutely nothing on this podcast, up after this podcast, or you do everything, just do one thing, just do one thing. Stop lying to yourself. Stop lying to yourself. Start getting honest and live your life, your one life.
0: Well, Wesley, I want to say thank you so much for being the first guest on the Breathe Motivation podcast. I'm actually a part of the Wake the Hero group on Facebook. It's great to see the support that goes on there. Thank you so much. And I look forward to seeing great things from you in the, the near future.
1: Thanks, Anthony. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, thanks for all your participation. And as you know, we got a lot of exciting things coming up in the group. So thanks for, thanks for allowing me on the show and, and uh, wish you much success as you continue on this podcasting journey thank
0: you so much and I I want to say thank you to my audience I know the episode is a little bit longer than normal of course but I hope you guys gained some value I hope you guys got some insight and I know you guys are going to get something out of this so I greatly appreciate it Uh, tomorrow we'll be back to our regular style so we will have our 15 minutes or less podcast but as always remember to breathe motivation and exhale success I will see you guys tomorrow on Thursday thank you guys so much